following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. They'll know you've arrived when you drive up in the 1958 Edsel, the car that's truly new from nameplate to taillights. Now your host, Walt Disney. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to that tip-top terrific and splendidly prolific waltz down memory lane, the Mid-Modcast. And here are your Mid-Modcasters, Craig, Paula, and Dave. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Mid-Modcast. Welcome. All your mid-century dreams come true right here. This is the place. I'm Craig. Who are you people? I'm Paula, and I'm wearing my Max's South Seas Hideaway t-shirt. We always like that to That is awesome. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, this is Roger Sterling. I'm, I mean, Ooh. this is Dave Fritz, but I'm I'm wearing my Sterling Cooper oh. and Partners shirt <gasps> that my good buddy Paul Schroeder and Mid-Modcast fan uh, gifted me at Christmas time. Oh, that's and, uh, fantastic. And I just have a Hawaii shirt with turtles on it. Oh, so. man. But it looks awesome. So but I like turtles. I love it. Oh, yeah. He should have said, I like turtles. Oh, you just did. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hey. <laughs> We're talking about husband and wife entertainer acts. Wow, you got right know. to is it. it. Is that, no is messing that around. really uh, a good way to say that? Husband and wife acts? Entertainers? Husbands and wife? Wife duos. I don't know. Duos. <laughs> Dynamic duo, go. husband and wife entertainers. Yes. Hey, Paul, if people wanted to find us on the internet or email us or call the hotline what would they do they could go to facebook at the midmodcast midmodcast on the facebook.com <laughs> that made no sense um we are on instagram at midmodcast um we have a twitter at midmodcast if show, someone could show me how to work it well i usually do at least po post the podcast we have a phone number 216-309-2204 Two one six three zero nine two two zero four, and uh, last week I think it was I read the mailbag, so we are taking some emails, and you can email. Feel free to email us with all of your mid-century memories, dreams. If you have a request, like if you want to get your band on the air or something like that, oh, yeah, yeah that someone did request that, and <laughs> I dropped the ball on that one. Sorry, oh, yeah, some surf music, whoever that it? was, oh, but it was a cool. surf band, so I guess I really oops suck on that. <laughs> so. Oh, you you know what, you guys? We we should do an episode on beach movies. Oh, yeah. And then we could drop in, you know, our fans' music file. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. How do they email us? <laughs> Midmodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Midmodcast at gmail.com. Oops. I'm and the website reading. is mid midmodcast.com. Right. Midmodcast.com. Or just Google it. That's what just, I always say. Just, just keep it. saying midmodcast. <laughs> just, yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's funny, Paula, you mentioned that you feel a little um, inept with uh, Twitter. And I'm right with you on that. Oh, thank I you. I don't really get, I don't get how, I guess because I started with Facebook. Yes. Tw Twitter isn't quite the same interface. So I, I know. know. I don't like, really get it. I don't understand anything <laughs> except Facebook. I'm getting into the Insta. I'm. I'm like oh, forcing nice. myself because that's where it's at. You know what? Let, let's apparently. just throw this out there. If any of our listeners are <laughs> social media nuts who really enjoy this stuff, will you help us out? Can you, can you help a brother out here? Yeah. We pay <laughs> about what we're paying each other. We, we so. pay in love, <laughs> gratitude and recognition. And compliments. That's, that's about yeah, it. Compliments. Yeah. We'll be nice to you. <laughs> compliments. <laughs> That'll oh, do <laughs> so anyway there are an awful lot of acts over the years that are husband and wife acts you yeah. know you, you think say good night gracie uh you think gracie. of all sorts night, of gracie. great Thank acts you. over the years and unfortunately there just aren't that we can't talk about them all in one show i mean if, if we did we'd it'd be like a four-hour episode 
so I, I'm going to go ahead and jump in first because mine came first, I guess, uh, at least part of it did. You know about Benny Goodman, and you know that he made Sing, Sing, Sing famous, but Dave Apollo, do you know who wrote Sing, Sing, Sing? Oh, I do. Dave I, do. I don't. Dave does. Dave, do tell. <laughs> that would be Louis Prima. <gasps> Louis Prima himself. Old black magic has me in its spell. Old black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. The same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. Same old tingle that I feel inside. And then that elevator starts its ride. Down and down I go. Round and around I go. Like a leaf caught in a tide. Just stay away, but what can I do? I hear your name and I'm a flame. Flame! Great <laughs> desire! That only your kiss. Put out the fire! I feel so happy right now. This music <laughs> makes me happy. For you're the lover I have waited for. So we know about Louis Prima and Keeley Smith, but Louis always seemed to get top rating in because he was quite a bit older than Keeley. Before there was rock and roll, there was swing, and no one could swing like one cat in particular, known to have nine lives and almost as many wives. That'd be Louis himself. I like how you said cat. You got right into the lingo. Yeah, he's a one swinging cat. He's a swinging cat. So anyway, Louis was born December 7th, 1910, into an Italian family in New Orleans. His father worked all sorts of manual labor jobs, but was a steady and good influence on his children. Louis's mother, Angelina, the waitress from the pizzeria? I don't know. But she was the Italian mother, and we know about Italian mothers. My grandmother was one. (laughs) She was a force of nature, and Angelina had music in her blood. She was active in the church and she'd sing for all sorts of occasions, talent shows, all sorts of stuff. She was known to have a really rich voice. Good old Angie wanted her baby boy, Louis, to play the violin because at that time, band leaders played the violin. That was the thing. But Louis found that, uh, well, he, he figured the violin was a little effeminate. He wanted something more punchy. And uh, his older brother moved out of the house and left a cornet behind. And the rest is history. One of the greatest trumpeters of the jazz age was soon to emerge. Louis fell in love with jazz. He pursued it throughout his life. His career ranged from the late 1920s to the late 1960s, during which time he recorded a lot of songs. Uh, Went on to really, really make a name for himself. But like I mentioned, Swing, Swing, Swing was one of those songs that he wrote that he wasn't really known that much for. I mean, he performed it and he was well known for it, but Benny Goodman made it really big. And it's interesting that the story behind that, Dave, have you ever heard the story behind how he wrote Swing, Swing, Swing? Um, I may have heard it once before, but uh, refresh our memories. This, I don't this, remember. this is the kind of <laughs> trivia that Dave would know. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Louis Prima and Bing Crosby were together. And Bing was was uh, whistling something, and Louie was standing behind him, and he said, swing, Bing, swing. Oh. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, wait a minute. That's catchy. And I uh, heard from, that story. From that, wow. it swing, became swing, 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 swing. But it was initially swing, Bing, swing, because oh, he was cute. standing behind Bing. It was whistling. Uh, Louie went to make a big name for himself in the big city. His mom didn't really want him to go, but he, he went anyway. And uh, there in New York City, he started to make a name for himself, but the mob was starting to become a big thing. This is the Roaring Twenties here. And uh, Louis didn't want to be owned by anyone. He didn't want to be controlled by the mob or anything. And so he kind of moved on to other places and he went back to New Orleans and other places. And he had his band and he was doing really well. 
A 16-year-old girl came in one day and she heard him play and she said, wait a minute, this guy is fantastic. You, you've got to hear this guy. And so she started telling everyone. She went back to her hometown and she told a guy at a local um, establishment, hey, you got to book Louis Prima. This guy is fantastic. And the guy said, who? And she says, Louis Prima, just just do it. The first night, I will guarantee that my family and I will will get this place packed out. And then every other night, Louis will pack it out. She was just 16. She was 16 years old. And she, she had, heard Louis. She was a gutsy, right? savvy 16-year-old. So anyway, Louis starts playing and she was True to her word, he was so dynamic that he just packed the place out. Nice. And she came back and she started singing with him. And, well, they kind of became a duet over a period of time here. Louis played with a seven-piece New Orleans-style band in the late 1920s, a swing combo in the 30s, big band group in the 40s, jump blues in the late 40s, and a Vegas lounge act in the late 50s and into the early 60s. From the 1940s to the 60s, he experimented with musical styles like early rhythm and blues, rock and roll, boogie-woogie, and Italian folk music. Prima was never afraid to showcase his Italian roots and identity, and that came in big during World War II when America was actually at war with Italy and Louis singing all these songs in Italian. But he had a message for America that we are Americans even though we may sing in Italian, and he made a big deal about that. So anyway, Louis and Keeley became an act, and uh, Louis was always known for his over-the-top antics. He played off members of his band. He danced. He hopped around like a <laughs> wild man. He had a swing and good time. That's what Louis did. <laughs> and <laughs> Keeley was substantially younger and a little timid when it came to Louis. And so at first, she was a little nervous around him, but then it just kind of became the shtick where she just played this straight man or woman, as the case may be. She had a really wicked sense of humor on her own, but she remained placid and unflappable. Louis would dance around, he'd tug on her skirt and all sorts of stuff, and she'd just kind of smirk and roll her eyes and like, oh, brother. And a lot of people, Paula, you said this before the show, she just seemed angry. And she she wasn't angry. She was just like, I'm not going to fall for your tricks, mister. Okay. And uh, that was that was the shtick. The and then... You know, so he'd dance around behind her and do all this stuff. And then he'd start singing and she'd start mocking him and mimicking his Seem motions annoying. and like, just kind of over the look. top. So okay. it was like she was making fun of Louis. Um, and so, you know, they'd play off each other. And the 1950, the genre of big bands began to wane. And Louis and Keeley headed to Las Vegas where they entertained in a casino lounge. They were across the street from the Sahara. And they were getting mixed reviews. They weren't doing so well. They were kind of like, yeah, you know, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. Louis had heard of uh, saxophonist Sam Butera, and he actually went and heard Sam. And he said, someday, Sam, I'm going to call on you, and, and I'm going to need you. And so it's Christmas Eve, and Louis calls Sam and says, I want you to be here tomorrow. I need you. We're going to play the Sahara and Sam's like, it's Christmas. I can't leave my wife and kids on Christmas. What's wrong with you? And so Sam says, how about the day after tomorrow? So on December 26th, Sam jumps on a plane, flies to Las Vegas. Sam's energy is like Louis. They are both just over the top. Sam plays saxophone. Louis plays trumpet. And they feed off each other like mad. And between them and Keeley's fantastic voice and her deadpan style, You've just got magic going on here. And so they started packing the Sahara's 400-seat lounge uh, five shows a night between midnight and 6 a.m. Five uh -oh. shows a night. Oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> I just know. Just listening to you say yeah. it. And people came from all over to see this act. Really? It wasn't uncommon for Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, or Sammy Davis Jr. to wander onto the stage nice. and to do a few songs with them. You know, nice. These were the glory days of Las Vegas, yes. back when you would see these kinds of acts. People like jo Joe DiMaggio or, or the Kennedys would come and, you know, Prima would be like, hey, look who's in the audience today. Oh, and, fuck. you know, you point them <laughs> out and they just have such a good time. In the 1950s, Elvis had the country all shook up. And when he was asked, where did you get that wiggle? Elvis said, well, Louis Prima, of course. Oh, you're not, you're <laughs> yes, kidding. No. He oh credited goodness. Louis Prima for his moves. It's kind of funny. Uh, so anyway, 
Louie and Keeley invented what we now know as the lounge act, really. And th- really? there are all these pictures of them singing in a lounge. And it's it's what you expect of a lounge. The raised stage and the low ceiling, where it's like their heads are almost scraping the ceiling. It's it's just not you know what you think of as a big stage show. But it's 400-seat place, and they'd pack five shows a night. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, they played this for a long time. And... The times were changing, and Louis knew that he had to change things up. So he developed what we what he called the shuffle beat. Uh, he combined it with New Orleans Southern rock sound and added wailing sax, and for comedic value, of course, he transformed the vocalist into a deadpan partner that he could play off of. Needless to say, history was being made again as he wrote songs like Just a Gigolo, I Ain't Got Nobody, Bonacera, Black Magic, Zuma Zuma. Oh. When you're smiling and on and on and on, the hits just kept rolling. Right. And Louis was Big Daddy. He was <laughs> the bomb. I mean, he was all of it. Now, before the show, Dave, you said, uh, what was your initial um, entree to Louis Prima as a young as a youngster? <laughs> well, I would imagine it. It's the same for the three of us. Um, my introduction or how I first heard the name of Louis Prima was. Um, his voice portrayal of King Louie in the, is it 1967 Walt Disney's production of The Jungle Book? Yes. Yes, yeah. mine too. So, you I'll know. be like you. you. walk like you, talk <laughs> like you. So Louie had this persona, and, and it's interesting, if you watch some documentaries about Louie, when they drew the animation for that, they watched, like, film of Louis Prima and they oh. mimicked all of his motions. So what you get with King Louis is Louis Prima. I mean, not just the voice, but the actions and everything. So that was it's uh, all de- Louis Prima. All designed before the movie was yes. placed. It yeah. was going to yeah. be him. Oh, okay. uh, Louis didn't want to do this initially, but oh. he got talked into it because they said, well, hang on, Louis. Young people are going to fall in love with you. And this is going to last for generations. So if you do this, you are setting yourself up basically for immortality in a lot True. of ways. And that, that really appealed to him. So he went ahead and he did, did it. And like you, Dave, uh, I probably you also, Paula, I wouldn't know much about Louis Prima had I not watched Jungle Book as a little guy. So and that was before they had famous uh, voice actors. Now it's so common, but right. I don't think, did they have them in Disney movies? Well, I, you know what? I he really, might have been like the first. I really first, don't first. know if they had many famous voice actors. That's Not like I, nowadays. Yeah, I think you're right, Paula. That might have been the first um, animated feature where they used yeah. uh, celebrity A voices. Real celebrity. Because, yeah. you know, Phil Harris was Baloo the Bear and... Right. Uh, oh, they gosh, were, I'm blanking on his name. Mr. French from um, Sebastian oh, that, Cabot. Uh, oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They, yeah, that was, was the, the movie. Panther, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is a bit after Keeley, unfortunately. Unfortunately, 1961, Louis' wandering eye and zipper got in the way of his marriage. <laughs> and uh, they both went on to have wonderful careers apart from each other. Yeah. Keeley went on to record with the likes of Nelson Riddle. And Louis went on to such magical moments as we were talking about the Jungle Book. Louis died in 1978 of brain tumor at 67 years old. He was a young 67. guy. 67. Wow. And Keely remained active in showbiz. Uh, she never lost that amazing voice. I was watching a great interview with her, and uh, she was well into her 70s, probably pushing 80, and the interviewer was asking, how have you maintained this voice? Because you would listen to her sing, and it was really hard to tell the difference between Keely at 75 and Keely at 25. I mean, it was just really, really good. And she said, well, I never smoked. Uh, I drank a little, but not not ever, you know, huge. And I never did drugs. And I, I was just a mom. And uh, so basically Aww. healthy living. And uh, she also attributed it to eating lots of lots of pasta. Uh, but <laughs> really, but, or did uh, she make that last? No, batter? she did. Oh, she I did, thought actually. sounds like something wow. that Craig would do. Just no, it was to... an <laughs> interview with uh, on EWTN. It was really, okay. really good. She died at the age of 89, 2017. And uh, I personally wow. mourned her her death when she passed away just a, a few short years ago. Uh, and she was just fantastic to the end. 
I'm going to end my tribute to Louie and Keeley with a little music here. Uh, but um, what wonderful entertainers, each in their own right, and uh, what just really a wonderful lady Keeley was, and Louie was just a hoot. So we'll leave it with this. Yeah, 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 we, 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 da, 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 okay, okay, yeah, 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 well, all right, well, all right, hey, girl, you sure look fine, ha, uh ha, -huh. hey, boy, you're sweet as wine, ha, uh ha, -huh. now, let's get together, baby, let me come see you sometime, ha, uh ha, -huh. hey, girl, I dig your touch, ha, uh ha, -huh. hey, boy, you're much too much, ha, uh ha, -huh. So let's get together, baby. Let me come see you sometime. Ha-ha. I look in your eyes and my knees get weak. When you're in mom's, I can hardly speak. I hear crazy music when I call your name. Baby, 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 baby do you feel, feel the same? same? Hey, girl, how about a kiss? Ha-ha. Hey, boy, I can't resist. Ha-ha. So let's get together, baby. Let me come see you sometime. Ha-ha. Charlie Ventura band from 1948 performing a track called Euphoria. It features Jackie King and Roy Crawl on vocals, and they are the second husband and wife team for today's episode. By the way, Charlie Ventura was a saxophonist who started out playing for Gene Krupa's and Teddy Powell's bands in the 1940s. Later, he led his own band with such players as Conti Condoli, on trumpet and Ed Shaughnessy on drums, along with vocalists Jackie Kane and Roy Crowell, who you heard at the beginning of that number there. I like it. Kane, yeah, it's really, really good. Like it, it. It's it's that bebop vocal style. I, uh -huh. I really like it. Yeah. So Kane and Crowell, who married shortly after leaving Ventura's band, formed a vocal du duo group who became known as Jackie and Roy. So Jackie Kane, who hailed from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, began performing at age 17 as a singer with Jay Burkhart's band. And I, I believe Jay Burkhart was a local Chicago band leader. I didn't find a whole lot of information out about him. But um, anyway, uh, in, in 1947, at age 19, she was introduced to Roy Crawl by a fellow member of Burkhart's band. Kral, uh hailed from Chicago, uh, I'm sorry, from Cicero, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago and was an accomplished pianist and vocalist and was performing with the George Davis Quartet in Chicago after serving in the army um, as an arranger for the army band. So evidently, you know, um, a friend from, from, uh, from the band she was in, uh, took her to hear this group. That's where she met Roy. As a vocal duo, Jackie and Roy recorded nearly 40 albums for various record labels, including Columbia and Verve. In 1955, and this is the this is the stuff they're they're most famous for. In 1955, they released their first LP on Storyville Records, titled Storyville Prevent Presents Jackie and Roy. And we're going to listen to a track from that LP entitled, You Smell So Good. Wrong one. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Here we That's go. That's great. 
Jackie? Yeah? You smell so good <laughs> Like the scent of sweet spring flowers Kissed by April's tender showers And I'd do the same for hours You smell so good You're as fresh as ocean spray, dear Or a spicy autumn day, dear And I'd love you just that way, dear Sweetheart, you smell so good You leave me weak I'm so breathless, I can't speak Every time we're snuggled cheek to cheek You smell so good Like a ball of circus candy <laughs> Or the fine bouquet of brandy Or tea Oh, oh baby, you smell so good to me You smell so good What's that aftershave you're wearing? <laughs> Don't you think it's a kind of daring? But it's really got me caring You smell so good What's the name of that cologne, dear? Why, it's uh, meant for you alone, dear Wanna disconnect the phone, dear Sweetheart, darling, baby, kid Hey, look at it this way now You smell so good that when I get a whiff of me I declare a state of emergency isn't I wanted that fun? to keep going. I, I, I know, am right? not familiar with any of this. This is that's, amazing. That's pretty saucy. Disconnect <laughs> I, the phone. I know, right? Ooh. I like oh, that. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, and by the way, um, we are going to be publishing along with this episode a um, a Spotify playlist of Jackie and Roy, um, Louie and Keeley, and then uh, Paula. You're going to talk about. Stephen Eady next. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear more songs like "You Smell So Good," uh, you can check out the Spotify playlist. I will. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, our fans who enjoy jazz will appreciate that they're being backed on that track by Benny. I I'm sorry, Barney Kessel on guitar, Red Mitchell on bass, and Shelly Mann on drums. Mm, fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great uh, great group there. And Storyville Records, by the way, is a Copenhagen-based label founded in the 1950s by Emil Knudsen, who named the label. I think this is interesting after New Orleans Red Light Storyville. Ah, did not I? I'm not familiar with that, but. No. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, other jazz artists who have appeared on, on the Storyville label include Louis Armstrong, Miles Davis, Stan Getz, and Billie Holiday, among others. I, so, I know that I, I had heard that label before. Now yeah. tying it all together for yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm actually fortunate to have a copy of this LP on, on the Storyville label. It's, it's a red label and the, the word Storyville goes around the outside mm. edge of the, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so the, the 2014 New York times obituary for Jackie Kane described the two as quote, the most famous vocal duo in jazz history, melding popular tunes and sophisticated harmonies. They created polished interpretations of Broadway standards, jazz tunes, and even Beatles songs. They sang in a sophisticated bebop style, enunciating the lyrics crisply and playfully, and often, and often foregoing lyrics altogether for energetic scat singing, unquote. But the sad thing is, though, um, I told, you know, people who are familiar with our podcast um, that my segment this week was going to focus on Jackie and Roy for the husband and wife entertainment um, husband and wife entertainers uh, episode. And they're all like, who's, who's Jackie and Roy. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, sadly they're this well-known vocal jazz duo, but I, I mean, they, I guess they, they never had the exposure or the longevity of Louie and Keeley and Stephen Eady. So oh. maybe they're, they're not as well known, but, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar I, with them. Yeah. I but don't know them, but I'm like really digging what I'm hearing. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I could get um, into them. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. So, um, 
So yeah, make sure you check out some of that, uh, some of that list. And then uh, Jackie Kane and Roy Kral performed together until Roy's death in 2002. And Jackie occasionally performed solo as well uh, after Roy's passing. She, I think she was active for like five, five years or so uh, after he passed. And then she passed in 2014. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, good stuff. Her voice reminds me a bit of Keeley's also. It's yeah, a little bit. Very, very similar. I, yeah. I think uh, Doris Day's kind of in that same range also, even though Doris Day wasn't really known for her jazz singing, but right. <laughs> still, uh, <laughs> just something about the timbre of their timbre, voices. Yeah. yeah. Well, great, Dave. Paula, that brings us to you. We don't need music when we dance Let's sell the radio We're fancy free cause we got us Our hearts are wired for romance All through the bungalow It's ecstasy cause we got us On the ballroom floor Yes, here we go. Steve and Edie. Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. But they were just known as Steve and Steve Edie. Edie. You know who they are. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to start with a quote by Larry King. Larry King said, if Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet don't entertain you, then no one can entertain you. <laughs> I believe that. Uh, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and the, another quote, the L.A. Times explains that in the 1950s and the 1960s, Gourmet and Lawrence were known for, they said, known for a breezy, easy listening style that merged well with the adult contemporary pop sound of the time. And Edie and, oh, Steve and Edie, known, were, originally began working together on The Tonight Show. The one with Steve Allen in 1954. Oh, and wow, okay. they performed um, from 1954 until Gourmet retired due to health reasons in 2009. And Steve kept on touring after that for years. So they were together a very long time. And what really fascinated me was that Gourmet and Allen both also broke it broke through on their very own as well as a duo. Gourmet um, had a top 10 hit um, with Blame It on the Bossa Nova. And it earned her a Grammy nomination for the best female vocal performance. And it became something of her trademark song. I love this one. Blame the Bossa Nova. I was at a dance. When he caught my eye Standing all alone Looking sad and shy We began to dance Swaying to and fro And soon I knew I'd never let him go Blame it on the bus I know When it's mad Lawrence also had a lot of success on his own, too. Um, in the late 1950s and 1960s, he had such hits as Go Away, Little Girl. I'm sure you oh, recognize yeah. that one. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was his. Go away, little girl. <laughs> Pretty Blue Eyes, Footsteps, Portrait of My Love, Party Doll. Go Away, Little Girl sold over one million copies, and it was awarded a gold wow. record. Mm. <laughs> gold record. I'm like, wow. Um, Edie was actually born Edith Gorman. Gormaz Can you say that, Mr. Italian guy? I can't see it Gormazano? That sounds right. Gormazano. She was born Edith Gormazano. Gourmet's mother was Turkish, and her father um, was a tailor, and he was from Sicily. Oh, I was um, about to say, I didn't realize Taylor was an ethnicity. Sorry, <laughs> he was a tailor from Sicily. Don't those kind of go together often, the Italian tailors? My great-grandfather was an Italian tailor. Maybe there we're related. Oh, wow. I don't know. Um, but this is interesting. She was raised speaking both Spanish and English. 
I am really I've got to research why. If yeah. her mother was Turkish and her father was Italian, why the Spanish? Oh, they they speak uh, Spanish in Turkey. That's oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they speak. Paul was like, really? Uh, no, well, some, maybe. So anyway, she was fluent in Spanish, so much so that she worked as an interpreter with the UN after she graduated from high school. Wow. That's very really? prestigious. That um, is. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Italian and Spanish are pretty similar. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe she picked it up in class in could, school. Could I don't be. know. Oh. Yeah. And she was determined, though, to make music her career, though. Um, oh, this is kind of funny. Earlier in her career, she was con going to completely change her name, but her mom protested. And she said, it's not, it's bad enough that you're in show business. How will the neighbors know if you become success, if you give up the name? <laughs> I'm sure you'll tell them, mom. <laughs> so uh, she told her this. So Gourmet decided to keep the family name, Gourmet, Gourmazano, uh, but she changed her given name from Edith to Edie. And then she changed the spelling, by the way, it's E-Y-D. D-I-E. It's bizarre. Yeah, because people, <laughs> kept calling her Eddie. Oh, they kept saying Eddie, oh, Eddie when they'd okay. read her name. But when she put that the Y sense. in there, they would go to Edie. So by 1950, she was singing with Tommy Tucker's band. And then she moved on to Te Tex Beneke's ensemble before she hit a solo career in 1952. And then that following year, she was given a regular TV slot on The Tonight Show, which was hosted by Steve Allen. And that's where she met Lawrence, who was already a singer on the show. I didn't realize they had singers, like regular singers on The Tonight Show. Um, in 1954, NBC, um, the NBC show went national. And then so they really put those two together and they released um, Make Yourself Comfortable. And that was their very first single as co-headliners. Um, Steve Lawrence was born Sidney Leibowitz, and he was born in Brooklyn. His father was a house painter and a cantor, and so Steve got his start singing in the synagogue as a child. Yeah. And that's probably not too unusual, I would guess. Um, Steve and Edie were married in Las Vegas in 1957. Still both had solo hits, but because of all their joint appearances on TV, their popularity as a duo really grew and grew steadily. They briefly had their own show as a summer replacement for The Tonight Show, and it was called the Steve Lawrence Edie Gourmet Show. Hmm. Um, they appeared at leading nightclubs a lot. They were really strong nightclub performers in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And they would combine music with their comedy bits that they learned um, when they were on The Steve Allen Show. They also had um, a Broadway musical together huh. called Golden Rainbow. I think that's kind of fascinating, but it only ran. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that on yeah. the Spotify. Yeah, Did it popped you? up on Spotify. Right. Yes. It ran yeah. just like from a, a it ran like a 1968 to 1969. And it was just not a huge su success. But there was a very memorable song in that show that Steve, Steve Recorder called I've Gotta Be Me. So I always mm. think of Sammy mm -hmm. Davis singing I've gotta be me but I don't always Steve Allen also there it's out there I listened to his version of I've gotta be mean it's also very good it's fantastic oh, um, yeah. Steve Lawrence was the man he had a great voice he did his voice is like butter man it's and, and it's a shame that um I, I guess people like you said, Paula, focus mostly on the duo. Yeah. But his solo stuff, especially the 50s and 60s stuff, um, is, is really, really great. I think when he started getting into the 70s, it became very schmaltzy, like go away little girl or whatever. But um, he, he his voice was really showcased well in those earlier recordings. I agree because I, I don't know much about them. I'm kind of a no novice to the Stephen Eady world. I'm of the firm opinion that the 1970s OS an apology. Oh right! Because I, I always, all that polyester and yeah, I, yeah. terrible cars. I know. Right. I, I right. think of of Steve as um, kind of a caricature because that's the the face I grew up with, like in uh, you know the Flip Wilson show and the right, and the right. Carol Burnett show. He was always this kind of goofy <laughs> guy, but he's a crooner. I mean, he really oh, yeah. knows how to sell a song beautifully. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned Paula that um, uh, you were quoting somebody saying uh, their 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 music is very breezy. But yes. Uh, again, when you listen to that earlier stuff, 
I mean, they have a solid swinging band behind them with some really awesome arrangements that uh, sadly people just don't take seriously, I don't think. Yeah, yes. And now I'm really listening to it. I can really hear some of the great stuff, but then some, oh my, some telethon (laughs) music as well. And you know what that is, right? There was a lot of telethon stuff mixed in the Once again, the 1970s. Right. Yes. Yeah, it was all in the mix. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen Eady um, had these great uh, acclaimed television specials that saluted the great American songwriters. Um, I didn't know much about these, but the Stephen Eady Celebrate Irving Berlin received seven Emmy Awards. Wow. Their mm-hmm. tribute to George and Ira Gershwin, Our Love is Here to Stay, received two more Emmys. And they had a salute to Cole Porter called From This Moment On, and it won the duo an award of excellence from the Film Advisory Board. So acclaimed uh, specials. I wish they had specials like that. I more, know. More. I, I know. know. Right? <laughs> um, and this is kind of, I found this fascinating. Gourmet, since she grew up sp- uh, speaking Spanish and English, the Columbia Records president suggested that she put that Spanish to use in the recording s- studio. So she re- uh, recorded this song called Amor, and it was recorded with the Mexican combo trio Los Panchos, and the song became a huge hit throughout Latin America, huh. which actually resulted in more recordings for the Latino market. And Lawrence and Gourmet performed as a duo all through Latin America. I didn't know any of this. And uh, Lawrence is quoted as saying, our Spanish stuff outsells our English recordings. He says that in 2004. (laughs) And he wrote, she's like a diva to the Spanish world. Wow. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. And Paul, I should mention that my favorite Lawrence LP is um, Steve Lawrence Goes Latin or just Lawrence Goes Latin. He sings all the songs in English, but, you know, they're arranged in a with a Latin flavor. It's, it's a really fun. good album. It's yeah. cool. Okay. Lawrence goes Latin. <laughs> I just heard some of the Edie Gourmet stuff, but I'd love to hear the Steve Lawrence stuff as yeah. well. It, it's so fun. And the rhythms just brighten you up. Um, one of the highlights of their career was the Diamond Jubilee World Tour with Frank Sinatra. Did you Do you know? I've seen some of these uh, on YouTube. And it, it culminated in Madison Square Garden. And Frank Sinatra said, Steve and Edie represent all that is good about performers and the interpretation of a song. They're the best. Uh, I love quotes, as you can tell. I love throwing quotes in here. (laughs) But with nightclubs dwindling in popularity in the 80s, they've moved their act to these large theaters and auditoriums. And they not only um, drew older audiences, but they also drew the baby boomers who grew up on rock and roll as well. They They drew a crowd. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, rock and roll, you had Sinatra and others who just hated rock and roll. They, they thought yeah. that it was an abomination. Yeah. Then you have people like Stephen Eady or Louie and Keeley who said, well, it's here to stay, folks. We may as well jump on this. Yeah. And uh, they did their thing. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Like, I mean, Stephen it's, it's kind of cool that they they lived in the rock and roll world and still managed to do their own thing. But I know they incorporated you know, some pop rock in there yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah, they did some pop, yeah. popular music. Um, hey, Paula, yes. along the lines of those uh, theater appearances, um, not far from St. Louis in Southern Illinois, there there's a small town called DuCoin, DuCoin, oh, Illinois. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're famous for the DuCoin State Fair. And I can remember as a kid, there was so much excitement around our household because my mom and dad were going to go to DuCoin and hear Stephen Eadie at the DuCoin State Fair. Yes. Whoa. So they were, they got around. They were in Illinois. Doing the fair circuit. Southern Illinois. Fantastic. Uh, A little bit of a sad note is that they were among the hundreds of artists whose material was destroyed in that 2008 Universal Fire. You know about that? So a lot of the original recordings of of artists were destroyed and they were part of both Steve and Edie and the duo. Yeah, it was horrible. And also, um, they had two sons, David and Michael, and their son, uh, Michael, uh, died very suddenly without any, you know, any illness or anything of heart failure at 23. Wow. You know, that syndrome when young, healthy 
yeah, boys just fall just over, fall over just yeah. die. Um, so they had a lot of heartbreak over that. I saw mm. some interviews with uh, Joan Rivers, which were kind of interesting of how they coped with that that loss. And then their son David is also, is a composer, producer, arranger, and he wrote the musical for High School Musical three, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Mm. Some articles said High School Musical, but um, his IMDb I believe said High School Musical three. And so, oh, yeah. Paula, here's something I saw when I was uh, researching for this show. Um, I heard that they were performing in Atlanta when their son died Ooh. and Sinatra had his private pilot fly his jet to Atlanta oh. to pick them up, to take them to California because their son was, I don't know, working on a show. Uh, he was a stage director. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what, but um, yes. anyway, he wanted them, you know, to be able to grieve on their own and not have to fly commercially. So he, he sent his private jet. I so did cool. read that. Yeah. Sinatra helped them out with, yes, I did read that. And you my- know, it's interesting. Keely Smith was talking about this in that interview that I was talking about and how this was just such a different age. This was a time where if Frank got sick, they'd get a call. Hey, can you fill in for Frank tomorrow? And they'd say, sure. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be there. And they weren't expecting to be paid for it. They weren't, oh, they, it's like, nothing's... well, we're friends and we look out for each other. This is oh, what we do. And, really? and Keely was saying, you don't find that in showbiz at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Is, there's no it's sense contracts. of community. Everyone's competing with each other. You know, it's, the it's, it's not, and the it's not the, I love you kind of thing. And <laughs> you know, I got your back. And, and I think oh. that manifests itself in a lot of things like what I was talking about, where uh, you'd be doing your act and Frank or Sammy would just wander on the stage. And they're there, you know, they're there to goof around hey with there. you, but also to support you. And, Have fun. And I, they're I'm about sure having that, fun. Yeah, I'm sure Steve and Edie got their fair share of that sort of thing also because they were on that same circuit around the, the same period of time. And, you know, that story about Frank just kind of, yeah. I think, illustrates it really yes, nicely. Yes, true. Yeah. And they took off for a whole year after that. And, mm. and even when they got back to performing, they there were certain songs that they still couldn't sing for a while. I thought that was kind of fascinating. Um, the, also an interesting fact is that uh, Steve uh, is also an actor. He won a nomination for a Tony Award for some play that he did. And he was always in guest roles on television show. And he actually was in uh, guest he was a guest since the 1950s. Every single decade, he did something. And he was on the Danny Kaye Show, the Judy Garland Show, the Julie Andrews Hour, Night Gallery, the Flip Wilson Show, Police Story, Murder, She Wrote, and recently, more recently, CSI. And he and Edie had very regular guest appearances on the Carol Burnett Show. And yep. he served as a panelist on the original What's My Line? I'd love to see that. I love that show. <laughs> And um, in the fall of 1965, Lawrence was briefly on uh, the star of a variety show called The Steve Lawrence Show. And it was actually one of the last television shows in black and white on CBS. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Um, another quote, they, they had a very strong love for each other. And here's a quote by Lawrence at Edie's death. In two th- she passed away in 2013 at the age of 84. Edie has been my partner on stage and in life for more than 55 years. I fell in love with her the moment I saw her and even more the first time I heard her sing. While my personal loss is unimaginable, the world has lost one of the greatest pop vocalists of all times. Uh Yes, and Steve is uh, still with us. I've read he has Alzheimer's and unfortunately there's some battle going on with his son and his his caretaker and i'm like uh, i didn't get too much into that whole thing but he is still with us you know in 1962 keely smith was also a mystery guest on what's my line you know when they would all wear the blindfold and oh fantastic yeah, she, she had like this real thick southern accent oh she, she faked an accent oh. yeah wow. <laughs> oh they did and i don't think we told the audience our dog is named Louis Prima. Louis Prima, you That's might have right. mentioned. He's the producer of our show. <laughs> That's right. Louis, produced by Louis Prima. And he lays on the floor. This has been a Louis Prima production. Yeah, while we're recording, <laughs> he's passed out on the floor every once in a while. This 80, 
no, 91 pound Labrador tries to jump on my lap during the recording. Pounds. Just yes. like Louis Prima Just would. Just like Louis yeah, Prima would, right? right? <laughs> he was probably 191 though, or maybe. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, well, Paula, it's interesting that, you, that you, you talked about their solo careers while they were still married. Yes. married. So they were putting out albums together, but also individually, which Craig, you mentioned Keely Smith's um, solo output, but I think those were all after she and Louis divorced. Well, actually, when Louis was signed to a contract, I can't remember what record company it was. Capital. He, yeah, that's right. He insisted that Keeley got her own separate contract ah, at okay. the time. Wow. And they didn't want to sign her. And he said, well, fine, then you don't get me. And they said, okay, we'll sign her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for him. But that's how she ended up working with people like Nelson Riddle and, oh. uh, you know, other huge names like that i kept getting confused because i kept thinking all this was happening before they got married all these solo things and and then i was looking at other research and he he joined the army at one time and i'm like i what and they got married when they were both 22 years old wow so most everything came after they were married these big solo uh albums and performances you just don't have a whole lot of showbiz marriages that last like that that's no, really really that awesome. is amazing right. isn't yeah. it yeah. it really and is they persevered through a lot of tragedy with the death of oh, their yeah. son too wow yeah. by the way craig I, I looked up on google earlier but i didn't see a spot to sneak it in um there was you guys ready an 18 and a half year difference in age between louis and keely yeah i knew it was about <laughs> 20 years i couldn't remember yeah. exactly how <laughs> wow. long but yeah how old yeah. was she, do you think, when they got married? She was like 20. Okay. She when, young. When, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, but you think about it, back in those days, especially 38 and 20, that's yeah, that's that's kind of acceptable, you know. It's, it's not like, uh, yes. you know, John Wayne, as he got older, he didn't want to do these romantic lead parts with, you know, women who are young enough to be his daughter. He's like, yeah. it's just creepy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, right. I, uh, no. It happens so much. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think, I think that's about it for today, gang, but it's uh, been been a a lot of fun. And uh, Dave, thanks for exposing our listeners and some of us to some new music that uh, otherwise we wouldn't have known about. So that's really cool. Loved it. Until next time, stay swell, everybody. We'll see you. everyone. You smell so good, like the scent of sweet spring flowers, kissed by April's tender showers, and I'd do the same for hours. You smell so good, you're as fresh as ocean spray, dear, or a spicy autumn.